I'm Harry Bridge. I'm Scott Mitchell. And this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. We are coming to you from the Kodo at the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. This is the Dharma Realm Podcast for February 9th, 2018. And today we're talking about social justice. Uh, so uh, we're back and uh, we're going to start this uh, episode off with um, uh, bouncing off a question that we actually received um, a, a year ago, <laughs> um, <laughs> not long after uh, the inauguration of, uh, you know, what's his name? Um, and I sort of wish this wasn't still a relevant question, <laughs> but it is. Um, so the, the, the question I'm going to paraphrase says um, that this person struggles with the duality of accepting things as they are and their passion for social justice and standing up for equality. <clears throat> um, so do we have thoughts about activism as related to Jodo Shinshu practice? Hmm. So do we have thoughts? Yes. Yeah. And there's a lot. It's, it's interesting because there's a lot to kind of unpack. Yeah there yeah um go ahead well one of the i mean so one of the things Harry in there has all is, the answers yeah <laughs> <laughs> can't shut me up um <clears throat> that issue of this kind of tension between accepting things as they are and social activism mm-hmm. or i Which guess trying to change that, the world yeah like trying to change the world right right um, and so, so it's, it's interesting. It's like, where's, so I wonder where's that coming from? And I'm sure it's stuff that we've, it may be stuff that we've talked about or stuff that, um, this person has heard or read. Um, and to me, I, I detect two things and one of them is what I would maybe call more Japanese cultural than Buddhist necessarily. And that's like ideas of, um, gaman, right. And, um, perseverance. Or perseverance, um, I think perseverance is. The I way think I perseverance is it, the way right? that you pronounce yeah. that. Um, and that that's kind of a big part of Japanese culture, right? This um, idea that uh, it's not about your own personal wants or needs or desires. You need to gaman. You need to um, push that down for the good of society. Mm-hmm. Might be one example. The 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 nail that stands up, well, it gets hammered down, right? That um, we're all supposed to fit into society nicely and harmoniously, and in order to do this, we should uh, push a, put aside our personal desires or wants or feelings um, for the greater good. Um, and that, to me, is is um, kind of a big part of Japanese culture and. Um, uh, I think it, you know one way that it manifested in American history is with the internment camps, mm-hmm. and that that was one way to respond to the internment was gaman. So, and it immediately makes or, or gaman is, is people say it in English pronunciation, but I think it's gaman is more of a Japanese pronunciation. Um, and so, there's a book, Art of Gaman, the Art of Gaman, mm-hmm. um, that came out from Lodi, uh, and it has amazing pictures of all this amazing artwork that people made in the camps um and it's one way that they put up with the internment right was to to express themselves in these um, artistic ways Uh, and many of the people that did these incredible artworks never did art again afterwards Mm -hmm. but it was during that time it was a way for them to express themselves and to gaman in a way um i'm not sure how much of that is buddhist right i mean i think it probably partly comes out of that and there's other expressions 
shikataganai or shoganai mm-hmm. are two Japanese expressions. Nothing to be done. Yeah. Shikataganai. I can't do anything about it. Right? To kind of accept, um, you know, there's, there's a kind of a cliche. God give me the, what, the wherewithal to um, exchange <laughs> what I can and accept what I can. kind of more of a cliche. It's an important part of, uh, of Alcoholics Anonymous, actually. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. It's the um, serenity prayer. God got me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the wisdom to change the things I can, and the courage to know the difference. Hmm. Ha-ha. Not just okay. a Buddhist scholar over here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I, I never heard it. <clears throat> I just, you know, you just see it. Except the things as they are, yeah. But Post on Facebook yeah, or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah. like this. But the second part of that and the third part are kind of, you know, the important parts, right? The wisdom to change things you can. Or, or is it like courage, courage to change, to change things, things you can? And the, the wisdom, wisdom to know the difference. Yeah, yeah. Know the difference. Right, anyway, right, right. so um, totally not germane to this conversation. <laughs> well, no, it's totally germane to the conversation because it leaves room for both. Whereas, yeah, but it's not Buddhist. Right, right. But or I mean, Japanese it's, for that matter. Right. <laughs> Um, but I mean, I think it's germane because it's, an, it's yeah, a different yeah, yeah. cultural approach. No, I to just wanted to argue thing. with you because it's okay. been a long time since we've been, you know. <laughs> so um, maybe it's, it's a cliche for someone that hasn't gone through the, yeah, yeah. you know, sure, to, sure. to hearing the expression without um, knowing like, the, context, the, yeah. the, the yeah, yeah. context of it. Um, but this whole idea of, of um, shikataganai, mm-hmm. but maybe... Um, could also see it as a form of social control in a way, right? In Japanese culture yeah. of, you know, don't complain. Don't, what are you doing? Just come on, <laughs> just put up with it. Persevere, um, don't try to change anything, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that's maybe one side of, of um, this idea of just kind of accepting things as they are, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, so again, you know, not sure how Buddhist it is necessarily, mm. right? Um, it could, it, I think it's, a, it's one of those things when how can, can you extract the Buddhist part from the Japanese part? Yeah. Right? Um, and it's very difficult to do so. Maybe right. it m- could be seen in more Shinshu kind of application in a way of... Um, Rejecting self-power. I yeah. mean, I think that's fiddling around in there too, right? <laughs> that um, uh, not you know, an idea of don't engage in self-power, don't try and fight against all this stuff. Just accept it, yeah, and just yeah, put yeah. up with it. So, so yeah. I, uh, I have thoughts. <laughs> I think that question of can you extract the Japanese culture from the Buddhism or the Buddhism from the Japanese culture is a really important question. I feel like we talked about that actually in a quote-unquote recent episode, i.e. one of the last three or four that we released um, a year or two ago. Um, And I'm not, you know, I'm of the opinion that you can't fully extract a religious tradition from the culture in which it's embedded, that that you know, people try to get to some sort of purely religious point of view or purely Buddhist point of view, and that's a, um, a fool's errand. There's always there's always the cultural context in which things happen, right? So there's that. But that's a whole different that's a whole different rant for a different day. Um, you know, when I read this email, uh, this question again, uh, you know, I think that the the way that it's posited um, leaves me with a question, which is, you know, the um, 
the the accepting things as they are is sort of juxtaposed against um, a desire for um, social justice or for working to make the world a better place. Um, and I'm not so sure if those two things are necessarily um, uh, mutually exclusive, I guess would be the word, or that they're sort of they're put in a sort of dialogue that I'm not but I, I would just sort of want to interrogate and, and say, well, why does accepting things as they are necessarily mean that one shouldn't also change them? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so where I would, where I would go with that is to sort of really dig deep into um, that, uh, that idea of accepting things as they are and, and figure out, okay, if it's, maybe it's come on, maybe it's got the but maybe there is some sort of, you know, Buddhist doctrinal, or philosophical basis for it. And um, the places that I go to to answer that question are to things like, you know, seeing the world as it is, right? <clears throat> one of, the, one of the, the points of Buddhist practice, if you will, is to, to really understand how the world works on a sort of karmic, samsaric level, like understand, you know, the world as it is um, in reality, not with all of our, you know, um, delusions or defilements on top of it, right? And yet, you know, once you see the world as it is, let's just leave aside what that means for a second. I say, let's, you know, let's assume that we've gotten to the point of, okay, now I understand. I see the world as it is. Does that mean that I don't change it? Mm -hmm. Right. Does that mean that just seeing the world as it is necessarily means a sort of passive acceptance of the world? Or does that mean that, you know, that I do something right? Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's the sort of the question, right? That I'm, I'm dancing around Mm -hmm. before I even get to the, what it means to see the world as it is. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> Which you have a good answer about. Well, that's one of the <laughs> key things. And my understanding of the expression to see the world as it is, is that means as it truly is. Mm-hmm. You, you touched on it in a way, but it's confusing, right? To, that it's actually to see the world as it is from the perspective of Buddhist wisdom. Right. The way a Buddha sees it. Yeah. Right? And that that is... What, what, you've, what you've done, because, you know... You've become enlightened, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Nope. <laughs> so go, go um, on. Carry on. <laughs> that on, in one way would be to say that all things are impermanent mm-hmm. and all things are <clears throat> interconnected um, and that that's not how we usually see them, right? And that's, that's one level. But the, the kind of the another bigger level is empty. Yeah. That all things are empty of inherent existence. And that this emptiness pervades all things. That, that it's everything we see that we mistakenly think is some concretely existing object or some, um, con- you know, unified person is actually empty, no self, right? Um, and so that to me is very different than accepting things as they are and mm-hmm. accepting um, discrimination or accepting um, abuse of power or accepting hierarchical you know, hurtful hierarchical relationships and that kind of thing. Basically the world that we live in now. Yeah. Well, the world uh, yeah. <laughs> that we've been living in for yeah. centuries, but <laughs> um, so, so those are two, to me, it's a, it's a, it's, I guess seeing things, the world as it is and accepting the world as it is are two different things. Ah, yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. so this, so that's why I wonder about this accepting things as they are. And, you know, I think there, there is some truth to it that we have to recognize that I can't control the world around me. I can't change other people um, that I can, if any change I can, a lot of, or not any, but on one 
level, any change I can make is within. And that maybe that change changes the world around me. But for me to expect to be able to change other people might be clouding my my ability to see things as they are because I'm just seeing as I want to be want things to be I want this person to be less annoying you got to be less annoying mm-hmm. thinking I can change them whereas what I can the only thing I can really change is well I have to understand where they're coming from and see mm-hmm. it from a different perspective yeah and I disagree go ahead <laughs> no I'm totally kidding <laughs> um, I don't disagree but I want to sort of nuance that because <laughs> I've had a version of this conversation with um other people in a non-Buddhist context where sim- a similar to thing that you just said of, you know, the only thing I can really control is myself. I can't control um, other people. I can't change other people. All I can do is um, change my reaction to what's going on. You know, like if, if people are, if, if that guy's annoying, it's annoying because he's annoying me. You know, I can't do anything about that other person. But my rejoinder to that goes to the interconnection, interconnectedness or interdependence that you mentioned, which is, y- y- yeah, I might not be able to change another person, but on the other hand, that doesn't negate the fact that other people have an effect on me, right? That other people's um, actions or behaviors, um, you know, do affect me, right? Like if I, if I get annoyed at somebody on the one hand, yeah, that's my, my being annoyed, but I wouldn't be annoyed if somebody wasn't doing something that annoyed me, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's a, there's a relationship between, between persons. Right. And so I don't think that there's anything precluding somebody from saying, I get that I'm annoyed and that's totally my business and I need to deal with that. But also you're being annoying. Like those things shouldn't be mutually exclusive. Right. Like Mm -hmm. because of interdependence. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's not just that I'm this Island of my own samsaric karmic ego stuff that is separate or un, uh, unimpacted by the world around me. So even though, yeah, I can't necessarily control the world around me, that doesn't mean I shouldn't say something about it or that I don't have, um, I don't want to say that I don't have the right to say something, but, but there's, there's that interrelationality aspect to it that I think gets lost <laughs> in that, that, the way that we conceptualize that, right? If you say, oh, well, there's nothing you can do about other people, so just worry about yourself. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, that's true. But (laughs) then what happens is you're letting other people off the hook for their own behavior, which they have a responsibility for. So I think that there needs to be some sort of acknowledgement of that interdynamic between individuals that this might not be. And I want to be clear, this is not necessarily a Buddhist answer. This is more my own personal opinion, which is another (laughs) topic that we're going to get to, maybe. (laughs) Um, But that I think that's not an an irrelevant or necessarily un-Buddhist thing to say that, you know, there is a relationship between people and that just because you only have control of yourself doesn't mean that you can't also, you know, talk about other people's behavior or, mm-hmm. or talk about things in the world that you wish were different mm-hmm. or do something about things in the world you wish were different. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to get, try and give like a hard and fast answer that will, that will work in every situation, um, I think is problematic. I don't right? think we do that on the show. <laughs> It's been a while since we recorded, but I'm pretty sure we never give a good, short, hard and fast answer. Yeah, to anything. <laughs> we can't help it. But, um, yeah, um, and if I mean, on one side, I think you could find definitely find Buddhist schools where it's like, yeah, it's all internal. I mean, consciousness only. Yeah, right. That is even questions if there is a 
ultimate reality out there. Mm-hmm. That it's it's all a delusion. I mean, one way is to look at it is it's it's all a completely delusion. I'm deluded to think there's an individual, another individual with a diff, another microphone sitting there, right? That it's all no, it's all empty. To see things as it is is so to what realize. you're saying is I might not exist. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> it gets me off the hook for so much work I have to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, try. You could try and use that. I'll no, dude, I don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> I'll write you a note, and you can just see he said so. Um, but I also think that um, part of Buddhism is to understand samsara too. Yeah. Right, and you can, we kind of touched on that at the beginning. Right. That um, there's also I don't think that Buddha is just sitting there blissed out. Everything's empty. Everything's empty. Right. That Buddha also has a conception of what deluded beings see. Yeah. And yeah, the, yeah. some, you know, the samsara that we um, exist in. So. And I guess the only other the other not the only but the other thing to bring into this conversation, of course, is a specifically Jodo Shinshu perspective, mm-hmm. um, which we touched on a little bit, uh, you did already, about, you know, self-power and other power. And, you know, and, and that's, that's to, to my mind, one of the sort of fundamental, I mean, it's, it's a central fundamental teaching within Jodo Shinshu, this di- dichotomy between self-power and other power. And I think that it has implications for ethics, for morality, for how we behave in the world, um, for how we practice Buddhism, you know, what practice means, and all of those things. And there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's an easy answer here somewhere. Um, there's no easy answer no. here. <laughs> um, but I think that what has happened historically is that different Shin Buddhists have taken that perspective and then used that as a way of saying, oh, well, you can't change anything. Right, right, right. So just don't do anything right. or accept things as they are. And then that probably gets sort of wedded with Gaman and other um, perspectives. And then, you know, you don't do anything. Or the impulse to do something is sort of um, looked down upon by the community or something, you know. So where it's so that like, you know, as you, what you would you call it, the, um, social control or something, yeah, yeah. sort of builds in. And that the whole thing with the bupo obo thing of the Buddha's law or yeah, dharma yeah. and king's law, right? And so spiritually, internally, you're Buddhist, right? But outwardly, you have to follow the laws of society, and so. You know, on some levels, it kind of works. It's not that we should go in absolute anarchy and just do what you want. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if the king's law is wrong, <laughs> yeah. right, and hurting people, um, then or you know, then maybe we shouldn't. Do what do it. you do? We shouldn't yeah. follow it, yeah, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. and so that's a very. But maybe that's kind of partly Confucian too. Um, you know, where this idea of the king and the subjects. And that's an absolute hierarchy, and the king is right. Mm-hmm. The subjects are wrong, or subjects must follow the king's pronouncements or whatever, right? And that, um, to me, that's samsaric and yeah. not something absolute set in stone. Right. Um, someone in the office seems to think that that's the way things should work. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but, well, um, who knows what that guy think thinks. So. Yeah. <laughs> but there's um, definitely lots of people in, in the, the world right now who think that's how it should work, and, mm-hmm. you know... Um, you know, I think it's worth uh, bringing this up right now. Um, mm. Did you hear that Ursula Le Guin yeah. passed away? Um, you know, not when this was released, but... A couple of days ago, yeah. right, right from now. Um, and, and so this morning I saw a couple of people post this quote that she made. Mm-hmm. That and I wish I could remember. I'm just going to be paraphrasing it right now. But she has this quote about how um, something like, we live in a capitalist society which seems 
natural and unchangeable, but the rule, the rule of kings seemed natural and divinely ordained, so you can absolutely change it kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's that sentiment of like, we live in a particular kind of society and we sort of assume this is the way that it's always been and it's natural and it's normal, but that's a deluded point of view, it's samsara, right? Mm -hmm. There's, that's not the way it is and it doesn't have to be that way. It could be some other way to bring in because what we do on the show is we're bringing in sci-fi so I'm going to bring in a sci-fi author no it's awesome she's amazing and some politics and bring it all together and not not argue for taking down the state because I you know we'll get arrested (laughs) I'm totally kidding no you'll get arrested (laughs) I haven't said anything (laughs) this will be our final episode (laughs) (laughs) it'll be a one man show No, they could probably find stuff to arrest me for it too. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, then that's what I love about, I guess you could call it speculative science fiction, yeah, yeah, yeah. where she posits other worlds and other possibilities. Mm-hmm. And then the characters go through stuff similar to what we go through, but much more intense. And like there's one where there's like a planet, an anarchy planet, and not anarchy in the sense of craziness and you know everyone going nuts, but anarchy that works. Mm-hmm. And everyone has the same opportunities and there's, you know, um, but they take a scientist from there and take him to the, thinking back, it's kind of the capitalist planet. And, <laughs> you know, he's, his, his clothing is very austere and, you know, just like focused on his work and helping people. And then he has to go to this other place where it's it's kind of like in, um, you ever watch Hunger Games? Mm-hmm. And that... The, the, the capital. Yeah, the capital and like all these yeah, yeah. crazy hairstyles and crazy clothes and you're like, that's wacky. And then you think... But is it that different than what yeah, we have? No, you know, no, we can't no. see what we see. It's, it's like fashion in a way. You look at fashion from like 30, 40 years ago, and you're like, what were they thinking? <laughs> what was I thinking, maybe? Right? And you don't realize that what you're doing now is the same thing, but since you're stuck in it, you can't see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Um, so, yeah, Ursula K. Le Guin, so worth reading. This, the, the, and then the whole, and that comes from the whole Hainish Chronicles, I think, where she kind of posits that, um, the universe was seeded mm-hmm. millennia ago. And so there's all these planets out there that have evolved differently. And they've evolved differently physiologically, and they've evolved differently socially, um, and at different rates. So the different characters go to these different planets and have to, they have this incredible culture shock. Right, there's right. one that's like the hermaphrodite planet and so everyone is male and female at different times and different mm-hmm. cycles and everything and so someone who isn't that is in the society I think and um, oppression that's happening she yeah. writes a lot I think about oppression yeah. and hierarchy and those kind of things so yeah I'm so glad we got to sci-fi yeah you managed to bring it in nice. good. <laughs> so <clears throat> so the, hard, it the, the a, quick answer go <laughs> there is a tension between accepting things as they yeah. are and trying to see things as they really are. And maybe um, th- there's an impulse to try and make things better. Mm-hmm. I don't think that... Well, that's sort of the third point, right? Like there's the tension between accepting things as they are, the second one being seeing things as they actually are, right? Mm-hmm. And, and whatever else. But then there's the, the, other, the other impulse there, which is, in, well, what do you do? Right, right? right. Like at some point we have to act, right? Mm-hmm. Um, very few of us have the, the luxury of just being like, well, I'm not gonna do anything, and I'm gonna sit on my yoga mat and bliss out and mm-hmm. not have to go to work or deal with other people or 
you know, uh, suffer the consequences of certain kinds of legislation or whatever else, you know. So eventually we all have to go out into the world and mm-hmm. be and live and act. And so then what do you do? Mm-hmm. That's the question. And, mm-hmm. you know, what do you do as a Buddhist or, you know, how does that guide your motivations or whatever? And I think we can see different <clears throat> motivations. One motivation is to do nothing and just try and take it as easy as possible. Yeah. Another motivation is to protect your family and protect those dear to you or your, your town or your culture mm-hmm. or whatever. Another is to um, try and accumulate as much as you can and take as much as you can with no regard for others. Um, and another is to try and help people and try and make things better, try and make a better world, not just for me and mine, but for everyone. Um, and I think that that's part of the Buddhist impulse is to try and help others and mm-hmm. to try and relieve suffering. And I don't think that belongs only to Buddhism. Um, and one would hope that that would, I mean, and I, you know, I guess we look to things like Buddhism for, well, what does it say about this? And should, should we be doing it only for my tribe or my race or mm-hmm. my country or whatever, my religion, or is it for, for everyone? Um, and I, that maybe is uh, someplace that um, Buddhism uh, does offer some answers. And so I think that I would hope that the tension leans a little towards, if not out and out activism, at least trying to help others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to make a better world as opposed to just put up with it. Right, and not do anything.